The Gospel According to John I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So, thinking about our conversation from last week, um, you know, we were talking about how um, oftentimes in the, the Gospel of John and the Johannine tradition is kind of like misunderstood or misinterpreted, especially um, when we hear these references to, um, which seem to be sort of like an exclusivity, right? That like, uh, which uh, in terms of Jesus or God and then which people then often then will think that it means that Christianity is sort of like, you know, the claim upon Christianity as the exclusive or as the, you know, exclusive religion, um, you know, in terms of how to access God. And so we kind of started talking about that and um, how I wanted to sort of challenge that idea that actually that story, which we were talking about, the about the Good Shepherd was perhaps an invitation to interreligious solidarity and belonging. And it was never talking about, like we've talked about, it's never been talking about Christianity to begin with because Christianity didn't exist right? Jesus wasn't in this to create another religion. He was in this to actually help push people into how do you live more deeply in connection um, with, with, with God, you know, as a way of life. And I think that this passage here continues in that sort of understanding, right? Um, this is about um, how do we really sort of understand our connection with each other and our interdependence um, you know, with, with God and with sort of, for us, the extension, God's manifestation, which is, you know, for us, Jesus, right? And so um, when Jesus is identified as the vine, what does it mean then, right? If we look at it from that lens of interdependence, belonging, what does it mean to abide? And how do we sort of think about it in terms of a, of a solidarity, you know, um, you know, I, I love this little trusty book, which I often have draw upon um, from Gustavo Gutierrez, you know, one of the 
one of the OGs of liberation theology from Latin America. Um, and um, it's called Sharing the Word Through the Liturgical Year. And he just has little snippets, you know, from different pieces. And so this one sentence that he says in reference to this really kind of stuck with me, which is, solidarity with Jesus is the condition for bearing fruit. And this bond defines God's people. So um, it's not, you know, again, not in an exclusive sense, not solidarity, like meaning that you have to be Christian or else, but it's solidarity with the way of Jesus, right, and what he preached, preached and lived out, um, which was, you know, to be amongst the people, um, you know, and, you know, with the suffering, looking at, at the world through the eyes of the marginalized, and how God ultimately wants um, there to be a, a, a real lasting justice for people that actually gave people real meaning and real change in their lives, you know, the conditions to thrive. To, to, to take care of themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of a precursor to, to belief, you know? Right. That's kind of where I'm kicking off, Jamie. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, um, I love that uh, the solidarity piece becoming, because uh, first of all, I, I, let me back up. I think John's gospel is misunderstood, right? And it's ironic that it's known for its exclusivity. Thank you, Emperor Constantine. Yeah. Uh, because it was actually written from the perspective of those who were being pushed down by the Romans and pushed out by the mainline church, right? By the, by the religious establishment and the leadership. And so, uh, and you can see that there's clues of that all through John's gospel. And so when I hear this as this tiny minority, persecuted minority from coming from all sides, uh, I don't hear that exclusivity uh, because I refuse to put on that uh, that lens, right, of Constantine or whatever, where suddenly the church becomes versus, you know, where it started out as this tiny kind of ostracized minority trying to make a claim for its identity and identity, right? In the Jewish context, uh, it suddenly becomes the identity and then, you know, quote unquote, superimposes everything else. Uh, which is a it's a tragic part of our uh, history, right? Um, but if one hundred years since, that's right, that's right. And so, yeah, which is sad and and awful. And um, but if we if we can reconnect with that the location of John's gospel, right? I think we find power here because not only are they talking about solidarity, they're trying to re they're trying to offer up John here is trying to offer up an identity, right, for his community. Um, whereas the temple, as we've talked about a number of times, the temple and the holy city of Jerusalem has been raised to the ground, and all Jews are striving and struggling to uh, reimagine uh, where God's presence is mostly, you know, most profound, most um, near, and and how to connect to that, right? Um, whereas the temple, it was one way, right? That was where the the presence of the divine dwelt most powerfully and you know that's why there's all the great festivals there and the pilgrimages and everything because that was part of the experience right um but when that all goes away and everyone all these branches of you know what makes me think that we could go there too all these branches of judaism uh go in you know take it in different directions whether it's rabbinic judaism or christianity or whatever um that it's it's this it's the striving for identity. Um, and so they're trying to, con you know, this is John saying, this is how we know who we are, 
right? We're part of this vine. And the vine goes directly not only to Christ, but to the, you know, to the, the creator of the universe, right? And, and, um, and, and that's how we're connected. So this vine is, you know, it's a wonderful image of diversity, right? And we talked about how diversity is something we celebrate, but, you know, not necessarily if we're talking about diversity with like, you know, uh, people that are politically antithetical to our worldview or, or, you know, just different, there are kinds, different kinds of diverse people we'd rather not be a part of, right? Even us very inclusive lefties, right? Uh, so, um, and so there is this diversity, but there's this connection, there's this common connection um, that goes back to Jesus, right? His life. And, and, and we are to, I love how you, you cap you like you make a synonym of abide you know solidarity uh is it becomes a synonym for abide and thank you to gustavo gutierrez because i think that resonates more with me right um and so how do we be in solidarity uh with jesus and in doing so by default we have to somehow be in solidarity with all those other branches yeah right and all the all the fruit that's being born whether we like it or not um, so, um, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a wonderful and it can be a challenging metaphor. And it doesn't mean that we, um, we, we would agree with everything that, um, you know, that everything, everything goes, anything goes all the time, you know, no, right. it's really, no. um, this gives us a rootedness, you know, again, going with this metaphor of the vine and the branches, you know, um, our roots, you know, if, if we abide in and with Jesus and in the solidarity of Jesus, then we are sort of abiding in and with um, the tradition that he comes from, you know, and that also then includes that deeply prophetic tradition, you know, of the Hebrew scriptures, um, you know, and we're thinking, you know, to the Amoses and the Isaiahs, you know, um, and, and those, those words that, you know, where things are called out, you know, in a way that says, you know, are we living right? Meaning, right. are we abiding in God? Meaning, are we abiding with our fellow human? Are we treating people with respect and dignity through our structures? Are we, do, are we creating the conditions so that everyone can actually have a decent life? Or, you know, um, are some allowed to uh, you know, live, um, you know, ostracized, marginalized lives while, while some people, you know, have all the goods, you know, right. and access. Right. And, and this is where, you know, when we start to look at our tradition and our, and our sacred texts this way, it changes everything, right? To the Lord's Prayer. Um, right. You know, I think you probably have read that piece, um, that book by, um, John Dominic Crossan, right, where he talks about the Lord's Prayer as like the most revolutionary prayer um, out there, because it's about this this call, right, that to, to bring to earth the, the the conditions now, right, on this earth as it is in heaven. It's 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 like a call to urgency to right. create those conditions in the here and now, and then it relates to what you know Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, right, that the kingdom of God is at hand, right. Um, is within you that it's within our reach and it also extends this idea of solidarity and abiding in and with jesus in and with god and then with all of god's creation right and that process of bringing you know bringing the kingdom making it uh here on earth you know that's this metaphor makes it clear that that's not a painless 
uh, process, right? That um, that there's some pruning involved, right? For healthy branches, for healthy foliage, for healthy fruit. I was sharing with you, Francisco, before this call at the community garden at St. Stephen's in Hollywood and uh, we have this uh, gigantic, uh, when it's in full bloom, which it's on its way, uh, every year, uh, this grape uh, vine that like becomes this probably about, you know, 150 square feet of canopy on the arbor um, with all these uh, bunches of grapes hanging down. Um, and it's just, uh, it's magical. Um, but at the end of the season, when everything dries and the time comes to prune it, we take it all the way back down to its stump and looks like a poor little Charlie Brown something or another. Uh, and it's hard to believe uh, the life that's in it for the next yeah. season. You know, it's hard to imagine. Um, so there's, uh, I like this, uh, I like connecting what, what you said with what Cross and said about you know, making, or what Jesus said, right, about making God's kingdom a reality here on earth, but that's not a pain, it's, that's not just through prayer, right? Okay. That's, you know, even though that was the what we're saying in the Lord's Prayer, there's there's actually work to be done, and not not just work on society, but as there's work to be done in ourselves, right? There's pruning that needs to be done within ourselves, things that we need to get rid of, that are, that need to just be fuel for a fire that cooks some new meal, right? But not not something that we continue going back to um, because it just doesn't serve us anymore. And as a white man, you know, I could make the, uh, with all kinds of privilege, right? I can make a list of all those, the pruning that needs to happen. As a matter of fact, I should just list that amongst the tomatoes and the cucumbers and, you know, the good different, we have an annual chart, you know? Um, so I should just put, those kinds of things, you know, for all the white males in the garden this year, you need to work on this as well while you're pruning back the, the grape arbor or the tomatoes. So, um, but the promise is, is a, you know, not only luscious green canopy creating uh, growth, but, you know, this luscious bunches of fruit that uh, the community can enjoy and, and uh, savor. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've all got our work to do, right? No one is exempt from this pruning process. Although no. um, so, some of you may have more work than others. Yeah, I'll say it. I'll be the first to say it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I understood. <laughs> so, but, you know, the, the process, I think, of really um, examining, you know, I think it's, I think it's in the Ignatian, in the Ignatian exercises where there's this um, call uh, examination of conscience, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's part of like this spiritual exercise. And I think that this, this scripture today is very much aligned with that, right? What are the, how do we examine ourselves and our conscience and to see like, who am I? Um, and, um, you know, how can I um, sort of like do my work um, at the inner, at the individual level, but then also in community so that I can be a person who helps to bear fruit, you know? What does it mean for me to be someone who can, um, you know, uh, yield this kind of, uh, you know, of possibility in the world, right? And what does that right. look like in actual works of justice and mercy in, in, in the changes that we make in our relationships and how we relate to um, our privilege, you know, our, the, the places where we are oppressed um, and, and how do we navigate um, and move ourselves towards some kind of action, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's um, 
Well, I verse seven kind of just stood out to me too as I as I heard it and read it and glanced at it again and just this idea of you know if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you and it's these kinds of sayings you know that comes in other parts of scripture too right ask and and the door will be open all that and I I love it said here because it's contextualized right there's parameters put around like where what we uh, the the things that we ask for whatever we wish because we're going to assume that if we're abiding in in this vine if we're in solidarity with Jesus and his life and his movement and uh, his compassion his suffering his you know his willingness to lay down his own life if we are in solidarity with all that then what we wish for is uh, going to flow from that right it's it's not going to be something selfish or something well i wish for a yacht so that francisco and i could you know uh take vacations in you know in the in the gulf of mexico or something no that's not that's not really <laughs> that's not that's not the way no i mean the, the what we wish for if we're truly rooted in in, in abiding in this vine then what the things the kinds of things that we're gonna wish for are gonna be those kinds of things that make the vine stronger, that make the vine more abundant, that make the uh, the vine more inclusive, right? And um, so, I, and and so, so that if the wishes are kind of have these parameters that are rooted in solidarity if they have, with Jesus, I I love the fact that whatever we ask for, whatever we wish for, in that context will be uh, granted or will be done for you. And I, I particularly love that with a, a community I serve that often feels uh, like somehow it's uh, the priest has more agency, right, uh, than, than they do and um, to help bring this kingdom here on earth. Um, so this is like um, kind of a call for all of us, you know, that, and that God will be there uh, Jesus will be there to empower us, to equip us, to push us, uh, to to make whatever we wish for uh, a reality. Yeah, and, and and then you know the last the last verse of this um, verse eight, my Father, you know God, right? God is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. And so, when we do this work that we're talking about, right, to to try, try to uh, abide to, to be witnesses to in solidarity with this way of Jesus and then what how does how that looks in our in our actual world today this is what it means to worship God and so this is where I think we often get stuck um, in thinking that worship is is limited to what we do on Sunday morning right right that, you know, oh, well, we're just, you know, it's even what we call it, we're going to go to worship, right? And we call it the liturgy. Um, but, you know, um, worship means so much more than this, you know, abiding in this love and solidarity through our presence, through our actions, through our, our very living is what glorifies God, right? And it means when we're following Jesus um, is, 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 is just as much worship, if not more worship, than when we are praising Jesus, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so we got to sort of, we kind of have to flip the script on that. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, um, 
And that's so much a part of our tradition, right? You were just mentioning all the prophets and we named, uh, Suzanne and I named our oldest son, uh, who's 22 now, you know, in that same spirit, right? Micah, and who just made that point. You just made, you know, some, what, 2,600 years ago? I don't know. I hope my Old Testament pastor's not watching. But, um, you know, so what does the Lord require of us, right? I mean, it just went through the litany of the things that the Lord does not require of us that you're talking about in terms of that, that those things are not worship. Right. That's not how we glorify God. The ways that we glorify God is to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly with God or in solidarity with God. Right. We could say. And uh, so uh, it's nice. You're in good company, Francisco. You are, you know, you, you are part of a wonderful cloud of witnesses that, you know, precede us. So, Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's if we really think about what is worship, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to be, it's, it's part of the, you know, the work we each have to do, but I think that, you know, developing a better theology around that is, 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 uh, is, I think we need to do collectively. And obviously I see it and I feel it like, you know, when I'm, I feel closest to God, you know, in those right. moments when I'm sort of like out on the streets and, and bearing witness, um, you know, around something, you know, that, that um, is disrupting some form of, of injustice or oppression, or when I'm gathering with people, strategizing and thinking about how to make some real transformative change, um, you know, and in the context of doing that work, you know, we, you know, we feel the spirit move and, you know, we, we um, you know, gather together in some form of prayer to give us strength to do the work. You know, all of that is worship. Yeah. Yeah, I my final comment I'd just say, and we were because we mentioned this at the before um, recording was, you know, this, uh, and I think it connects is, you know, every I shared with how every sector that I encounter in our community, with not just the church, but in nonprofits and organizing and for profit sectors and stuff, uh, everyone is having to reimagine how they do what they do. Right. First of all, get in touch with it what it is they do, and then uh, reimagine how they will do what they do post-pandemic. Um, and those who are simply just rushing to get back to exactly how it was before, what, an, what a lost opportunity, right? And, um, and because I think there's stuff to uh, leave from prior to the pandemic, stuff to leave behind. I'm speaking from the church now, but all sectors. And stuff during the pandemic, we learned and were forced to grapple with and, and, and innovate and then need to take with us into the future. Um, and um, so I, I, I can't remember the point I was going to make on that, but I think that, um, you know, that's something that we will all have to wrestle with, right? And we can't, uh, we, we, we have an opportunity here um, to, oh, what I was going to say is that it, it, it was actually, it's, it was a time of a blank slate in many respects, right? Like we were, the whole world was given permission in whatever sector to reinvent itself, right, yeah. for a time. And now when we go back, uh, we're going to, you know, rather than just go back to how it was, let's continue to reinvent ourselves. And like you said, that includes worship, you know, um, where it has a more comprehensive, holistic approach, right, that includes social justice and, and includes where worship can happen and how worship can happen. Um, I think we we've had this time to, you know, we should celebrate that we've, uh, because we've all been forced into it, we've had to, to reimagine, let's keep reimagining. 
until we do as best as we can. First of all, figure out what it is that we do and then figure out the best way to do it. So. Yeah. No, I, I, when we think about one more thing about abiding, um, you know, we talked about it, you know, abiding as, as sort of being in solidarity with the way of Jesus. And then so if we're going to do that, then I think a good question for us right now is um, who am I abiding with around me? You know, who and, you know, in organizing, there's often this question that we ask ourselves is um, who are my people, right? Who are my people? Because then we start to think about the relationships, the networks, and how we sort of bring people, organize people around shared values, ideas, and concerns to move towards some kind of collective action. So I think we got to ask that question and maybe even broaden it. Not who are my people, but who are God's people, right? Right, right. Who is God in solidarity with, and how can I sort of abide in that? Right. Who's on this vine? Yeah. <laughs> and if it isn't, <laughs> <laughs> right. Nearly everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's ultimately, that's it, right? That's makes it even more challenging. So. But especially the least of these, right? Especially. Especially. You gotta, yeah. You, it's preference uh, option needs to be obviously front and center, you know, and that's where it means to do this work through liberation. That's right. That's right. Well, Francisco, I've enjoyed this. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. We put this together. <laughs> hey well we have some news right we're now on uh on some podcasts we are we you can find liberation lectionary drum roll please on spotify and you can also find us on google podcasts and if not already in the next couple days uh i think it's just a few more steps uh, you'll find us on apple podcasts as well so you have no excuse now uh, to, first of all, listen to us. Now you can take it with you on your walks or your runs or drives or whatever uh, and, and listen to us. And then uh, like us wherever you can, uh, particularly on Apple Podcasts. I think that gets the most traction, but you can like us on the others as well. And share with your friends. Let us know what we're doing. We're really just trying to give uh, folks some ideas centered in, the, in the, um, this uh, kind of uh, venture mission we're on of of finding liberation wherever we look. And we're trying to um, just kind of be creative in how we lift up those ideas and give you some uh, thoughts to, uh, you know, for your own preaching or, or, or uh, if you're giving speeches out at a rally or talking around the dinner table with family and friends. So share yeah. widely. You're using it um, and post on, on our Facebook page too. So thanks. Yeah. So we love that. Um, so, well, you want to take us out, Francisco? All right. Please uh, be disruptors of uh, injustice. Go out there and, and share the good news of liberation. Peace. Peace.